0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Musical Splitting Podcast. I am your host, and bastard person, Kava Taharian.
1: and I uh, hate you and your ass face, Angelina Meehan.
0: <laughs> do you remember the bastard person reference?
1: Yes, I do remember. Do you remember yeah, the, the bunch of bastard people? people. <laughs> it's because you're a bastard. Do you remember? I uh, I hate you and your ass face reference.
0: No, I forgot. Oh my about god! That one. Yes.
1: Well, in case people have not uh, figured out what we're talking about here,
0: they're they're waiting for us You're to get to the point. Yeah, eh. uh,
1: I might as well put down the McGuffin here. <laughs> uh, we are talking about waiting for Guffman.
0: Yay. Yay! We're doing a funny one.
1: Yeah, we're doing a, we're doing something fun for once. Something that. I'll actually enjoy <laughs> breaking the yes. format here. No, um, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I, I guess we
0: got to do a good one after that Joker news from yesterday. Oh my like, god! Give me something that, fun.
1: That's going to be an extravaganza episode. I cannot. I am. I. Uh, you know. Yeah. If that uh, one will be fun. <laughs> I'm still in recovery anyway, from so, that. Yeah, so yeah. today,
0: oh, I'm like, we're going to go off on a diatribe for like four hours yeah. about that. Let's save it. Yeah. Uh, but yes, today we're going to do Waiting for Guffman, yeah. which you and I had discussed. We we were like, there's a lot of Christopher Guest mockumentary song kind of. I hadn't thought of it because I don't think of Waiting for Guffman as a musical per se, although it is about, you know, a small town putting on a musical. Right. And I'm sure you will get into this because I don't remember a lot of the songs, but I oh. think like, they're in there, right? Like they're practicing them and stuff, but yeah. it's not like a it's not a musical in the sense that like they're, they'll cut into song. It's like sure. it's, it's because it's a format of it being a mockumentary. It's about them making the musical yeah. rather than. Yes, it being the musical. So it's sort of I don't know if meta is not the right word, but um, uh, that's part of why I never thought of this.
1: Sure. Like all of the music in this is like diegetic is in like it's happening actually within the world right, and right. moving the plot along. And like, yes, it is about making a musical, but a lot of the musical is in there. And I have the songs that are like they're burned into my head. Like this movie was yeah. so important for me as as a teenager. Like I. Watched it about 8,000. Like, because my first introduction to Christopher Guest was, um, I'd seen this is Spinal Tap like when I was in middle school. I mm-hmm. thought it was really funny, but before that, I thought Spinal Tap was a real band because I'd seen the Simpsons episode where yeah, really they showed up yeah, on the exactly. I, yeah,
0: like, I was like, Oh, we support, we salute you.
1: Yeah, the deflated Satan, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: This isn't the Bleed and Splish Splash show. (laughs) Yeah,
1: Bleed and Splish Splash show. Uh, I I thought Spinal Tap was a real band for a longest time, but then I saw This is Spinal Tap and loved it. And then in high school, I forget who recommended Mm. it to me, but someone was like on the internet of course on the internet cuz i didn't have any real friends someone was like oh if sure. you like musicals you will really really love waiting for guffman and like mm-hmm, my mom mm-hmm. took me to blockbuster and i like remember like like combing through the piles of shelves being like i have to see this movie cuz it's about musical theater apparently <laughs> i i i rented it and watched it once and then immediately like got my sister to come into the room and watch it with me again like watched i watched it, it again. twice in a row That's like funny. it was just like it again. hit me <laughs> Again, 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 it was like the most, I was at that point where I was like trying to evolve my comedy beyond like Simpsons and like Monty Python. And I was mm-hmm. like, well, where, where do I go well, next ended up from here? We coming back
0: to ultimately, but yeah. Right, right, exactly.
1: I know. I was just like, I, I watched Monty Python and the Holy Grail the other day and I was like, oh, this is actually still pretty funny. I, I didn't think it would hold up as well as it did. But, um. Uh, yeah no so like this this was like a huge movie for me as someone who did um, you know like a lot of community or like church theater or school theater um, mm-hmm. there were just so many mm-hmm. elements about it that rang so true <laughs> like even even yeah, even yeah. in like high school in like 10th 11th grade I saw this and was just like oh they like got everyone's number really really hard with this but also in a very sweet way um I think, you know, that's yeah. that's what people like about Christopher Guest movies is there is like an affection for the people they are making fun of.
0: Very much so. Uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, and th- and this this is the if I'm if I'm not mistaken, this sort of sparks the uh Christopher Guest This is the first <laughs> one. This is the uh the Iron Man of all of his uh mockumentary films that come right. after this, which I I always thought was funny that he's actually not the one that I, I thought he did I for the longest time I thought that he had directed Spinal Tap.
1: No, yeah, uh, but yeah, that's actually Rob, Reiner. Rob Reiner. Yeah, I thought he did too, and then I was just like, nope. It's, it's but a, it's obviously,
0: a- he's in it, but he's but he didn't direct it. But then, of course, starting with Waiting for Guffman. But he's just become so like the authoritative director of this genre of documentary. Yes. Yeah. You know, From here, it's Best in Show, and then A Mighty Wind. And yeah. Then Home for the Holidays. There's like a million that he's done. Right. Uh, but yeah, this. So this is the first. This is the first one of his. Um, I saw this. God, I, I must have been like. Probably, like probably, in, like late high school. Maybe not, not that different from uh, not like, that, uh, not that far yeah. off from when you saw it. Yeah,
1: I feel like that's uh, my most sister people... was
0: obsessed with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, it, and my sister was the one who showed it because she kept saying to me, "These bastard people." And like, I was like, "What the hell is that from?" Because we <laughs> thought it was really funny. Right? So she showed it to me, and of course, I thought it was funny as shit. I loved it. Although I have not seen it in a long time, I tried watching it with Sarah at some point during what we call the panini, the pandemic. Yeah, sure. Um, the palooza. I think we only watched like, <laughs> I think we watched about half of it and then it was like late and we fell asleep or something. So, we sure. up. so I haven't actually watched it like in earnest from beginning to end in many, many years. So uh, I'm excited to sort of,
1: I actually go back into it. I haven't either. It's actually been a, d- a decent, am- I've seen it at least like 400,000 times, but I haven't <laughs> seen it because like, it was such a huge part, like, um, th- there's there's just so much about it that has become, like, memetic within the theater community itself, that, like, you know, like, my, yeah. my college show, there's, like, lines in it that, like, before every show I did in college, we would quote to get hyped up, like, there's a line that Parker Posey and this goes, it's the day of the show, y'all, and, like, you had to say it's the day of the show, <laughs> y'all, before the show, or you'd watch it at, like, um, cast parties and get wasted. Um, yeah. it, like, I've seen it so many times, but I have actually not seen it in a very, very long time. So, um, I'm, I'm really, really, really excited <laughs> to get to revisit this one.
0: You don't have Schitt's Creek without this no. in a weird way. Yeah, yeah. Because this is sort of where Eugene Levy and uh, Catherine O'Hara, like, there's this whole troop of people that end up being in all of these Christopher Guest films. Like, this is where they really start to like, yeah. hone in and define their own style of comedy that's sort of absurd and. Yeah. And uh and very specific. <laughs>
1: very specific slice of life.
0: You could consider it maybe passive aggressive, although I don't think so. Again, sure. I don't know. I should I should reserve judgment because I haven't watched it in a long time. I don't sure. But I never felt like it was mean. I always just thought it was like kind of goofy and hilarious yeah. and how like how quickly people if they have any semblance of like fame like kind of how it changes them like right sure, away Sure,
1: right well, i just know because like some people i remember i would talk about this movie they'd be like it be, it felt mean like it was making fun of me and i'm just like that's how you know you shouldn't do theater honestly right. <laughs> <laughs> like if you can't take a joke about this like i i, I don't know what about yourself yeah, yeah. exactly um so I, I i am a huge fan
0: why don't we get into the notes real quick before i get confused sure. more um waiting for guffman is a 1996 American musical mockumentary, apparently, I didn't realize it was that late, Uh, written by Eugene Levy and Christopher Guest and directed by Guest, featuring original music written by Michael McKean, Harry Shearer, and Guest. The film features an ensemble cast of Christopher Guest regulars, including Catherine O'Hara, Fred Willard, Parker Posey, Eugene Levy, Bob Balaban, and Christopher Guest himself. Waiting for Guffman tells the story of the fictional town of Blaine, Missouri. Blaine is poised to celebrate its 150th anniversary or sequicentennial anniversary, as mm. the film insists, <laughs> with an original musical pageant about the history of the town directed by a failed Broadway would-be Corky St. Clair. <laughs> right. uh, it's all coming back to me now. Not, not name. Uh, as he assembles a cast of locals, including a couple of travel agents, the town dentist, a Dairy Queen cashier with stars in her eyes, tension begins to mount. Will the city council give Corky the extravagant the extravagant budget and he needs to do justice to Red, White, and Blaine? <laughs> Will the dentist be able to hit his marks on stage without his trusty glasses? All this and more in Waiting, Waiting for, for Guffman. Guffman. Yes, I, li- I like doing this this trailer stuff that you're having me read. It's fun.
1: I want you to be like uh, excited, we can... you know. I want the listeners to yeah, feel like they're going I... on a visual and narrative journey here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm gonna start putting these all into a reel and start sending them out and see if I can uh, narrate trailers.
1: Right. <laughs> This is how you pivot
0: that I refuse to watch. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) As with much of guest's work waiting for Guffman's script consists of a loose outline with the actors themselves improvising most of the actual dialogue. Guest himself has compared the process to jazz saying, you know, the basic melody and the key changes, but it's how you get from one change to the next that matters. And you don't know in advance how you're going to do it. I'm completely blank before the camera rolls. I have absolutely no idea what I'm going to say. And as a result, more than 60 hours of footage was filmed. That's cute. Yeah. Uh, by today's standards, <laughs> uh, which took more than a year to edit down to its final 90 minute runtime. I think fucking Step Brothers had like 200 hours of footage or something. Really? Insane like
1: that. Oh, my God. Yeah. It might, wow. it, it
0: might not be 200 hours, but I, I or like they shot a million feet of film or something sure. insane like that.
1: Well, it's Step Brothers is a masterpiece. So it was all worth it in the end. So,
0: yeah, uh, <laughs> that's pretty restrained, though. Only 60 hours. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know, to correct me if I'm wrong, I, like The Office, like a lot of like that whole style of mockumentary really just derives from this, doesn't it?
1: Right. Yeah. Like I, I think, yeah, 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 yeah. Like stuff like The Office and, you know, subsequently Parks and Rec. Arrested and Development, pretty much like every...
0: the way they shot it. Yeah. yeah that yeah. whole style of visual, that language of comedy comes from this, doesn't it?
1: Uh, yeah, I Yeah. I'm like struggling to think of or like anything. Or I guess Spinal
0: Tap technically, but yeah, sure. but this is sort of. Because Spinal Tap comes out in the 80s. So, like, I guess that's probably why I'm thinking of it is, like, there's such a big gap between them.
1: Sure, yeah. No, it definitely, um, I think, is what people think about when they think of of this style of comedy. Um, I can't Mm -hmm. really think of anything before it that, like, has had that kind of impact. Even something like A Hard Day's Night is a little bit more filmic than, you know, this, even though Mm -hmm, it's, mm -hmm. like, a fake documentary about A Day in the Life of the Beatles. Um, uh, I think this is, like, kind of, like, what made the genre explode. Honestly, thinking about it, yeah, 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 I don't know, like, what you would have if this movie did not exist, you know, in terms of, like, how we shoot, like, a lot of, uh, I guess, sitcoms today now.
0: I would imagine a lot of it has to do with, like, this being a big deal, and then also digital cameras suddenly becoming much more affordable at that time in, like, the late 90s and early 2000s of both being affordable and not being, like, terrible.
1: Right, yeah, yeah. it's interesting Which is too. Why you probably
0: can get away with a lot. You have, of stuff. you have
1: that same rise in like found footage horror at the same time as this is getting big too. <laughs> like. I, yeah, well, there's yeah, there's yeah. a whole, like, anthropological, like, case to be made about these movies, you know, like, and um, how, how they affected, uh, and, oh, and how they worked with, like, I guess, cameras at the time, too, and just, I, yeah, that, mm-hmm. I'm just like, wait, I hadn't even stopped to think about this movie's impact um, in terms of, like, what it did for film and comedy. I just really, really love this movie as it is, and only see it from, like, a theater kid's perspective, to be perfectly honest, but now my mind is, like, blown thinking about this. That's how you
0: see everything. I know, everything I know. is I know. A theater kid's <laughs> perspective.
1: Everything is just like, are they doing box steps? Are the grapevines? Is there an eleven o'clock number with the button on the end? But uh no, no, no. That's why I'm glad I, I have you to talk to. Because I, yeah, now I'm just like shit. This movie is the most important film to have come out in 1996. um <laughs> But yeah, I'm, I'm so screw you it.
0: Independence Day. This was the most <laughs> important film. Right, right,
1: exactly. I wanted to ask, uh, are you a fan of um, the rest of Christopher Guest's work? Like, have you seen Best in Show? Oh, I've seen Best in seen... Show,
0: I've seen this I saw, I think Home for the Holidays was the one where they are trying to make the Jewish movie and it ends up becoming like a non-denominational oh, Christmas film right. by the end, right? Spoiler right. Alert. Uh, uh, and and then, you haven't seen
1: A Mighty Wind though, right?
0: Mighty Wind I have not seen, but my roommates in college were obsessed with it and they quoted it all the time and then I somehow <laughs> missed the day that they watched it and then every time oh. every subsequent time that they watched it, I missed it so I feel oh, like man. hurt that like I didn't see <laughs> Oh, he went properly. Yeah, I was like, I missed all these jokes. What happened? I, uh, that's what they used to say happened? over and over again. Oh, I have no God, idea what that's yeah. a reference to.
1: <laughs> oh, God bless. I love that line. A Mighty is also, I guess like close. It could be considered um, a musical too, uh, or it does have musical numbers, but they are again, like diegetic and like part of what's actually happening in mm-hmm. the film. But the music is also, um, as it was for, uh, this and for Spinal Tap written by Michael McKean and, um, um, I didn't know Michael McKean uh, wrote Guest. fucking music. Yeah, I know. Right. He's like such a fucking renaissance man on top it's of crazy. being like very funny. But uh, yeah, Michael McKean and Harry Shearer also wrote the music for a Spinal Tap and A Mighty Wind and this. And speaking uh, of Simpsons, they,
0: yeah, and, Harry Shearer.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Harry Shearer. Yeah. I was like, it, they are at Spinal Tap, you know. So. That's probably why
0: you were like, oh, I'm trying to branch out. So now I'm going to watch a movie with the actor from The Simpsons where he's in it. Right, right. Or oh, sorry, where he's writing the songs for it. Yeah.
1: The point of view is like that this is a community theater show written by like somebody out in blaine missouri but like i think the songs are really really oh, I think it's um, fantastic
0: yeah <laughs> fantastic, i can't believe i yeah. don't remember any of the song i don't know why, again i haven't seen it in a long time so i don't know why i don't remember them but i'm oh, actually curious boy. to see like are there gonna are there like winks i don't know maybe we should just wait until after we watch it but like are there like winks and nods to like theater stuff or is it more just about like the absurdity of like the community theater
1: it definitely there's- leans more towards the latter in my memory, okay. but I'm okay. sure there's stuff that going back into it now that I will see and go, ha, 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 ha. Um, <laughs> I do have some funny tidbits of trivia, but I think they'll be more interesting to talk about after uh, we watch it um, okay. that I'm sitting on right here. That uh, just, just stuff that's very, very funny to me. But um, yeah, I, I, the music is chef's kiss to me. I think chef's they just kiss. wrote something very memorable, and the second half of this podcast is going to be so annoying because all I'm going to be doing is singing... <laughs> Songs from it um, Okay Yeah So brace yourself
0: well, Yeah alright Well in that case uh, If there's nothing If you want to save it For the second half Then let's just go ahead And uh, go to the break And go watch it And come back
1: Yeah I can't bastard wait Bastard person Stupid, You ass <laughs> people Your ass face I hate you and your ass face Cava. Oh no I feel bad saying that already
0: You sound just ah. like The rest of my family No it's fine. Oh no uh, Okay <laughs> Alright So we'll go watch it And come back
1: Alright all right.
0: This episode is sponsored by CuriosityStream, a subscription streaming service with thousands of documentaries and nonfiction titles, such as Hergé, In the Shadow of Tintin. A complex and complicated artist, Georges Rémy created one of the most famous characters in the world, Tintin, for young readers. With exceptional access to his archives, this program looks at Rémy's life and the way he changed the art of comic strips. As a person who makes comics, I enjoyed watching comics being drawn on screen because it reminded me of what I do and I like things that relate to me instead of, you know, not me. That's not fun. You can also get access to our streaming video service, Nebula, when you sign up for CuriosityStream using our code at curiositystream.com slash The Streamy Award-nominated Nebula is a video streaming platform built by and for creators. So you've got CuriosityStream, Why Nebula? tell you why because it's a place for smaller indie education type creators to try out new ideas that might not work out on YouTube with Nebula you can see original video essays, films documentaries and the like from creators like Cat Black Sarah Zed and the always lovely Abigail Thorne right now you can get CuriosityStream and Nebula for only $2.99 a month or $15 for the full year all you gotta do is go visit curiositystream.com slash Once you use the code, you'll get a welcome email from Nebula giving you access to CuriosityStream and Nebula and, and... No, that's just it. It's just those two. But, you know, it's totally worth it. Just trust me.
1: And we are back.
0: Back from the stool capital of the world.
1: I know. uh, As someone who frequently talks about sweaty dumps, it's nice to have something that is about stool booms, too. (laughs) lots of stool. yeah. So much stool boom.
0: So uh, Waiting for Guffman is about uh, the town of Blaine uh, is putting on a 150th anniversary party. They're actually they're having a celebration for the whole town. And as such, they've commissioned uh, Corky St. Clair, who is the local. He's the drama teacher to put on a show that uh documents the history of the town of blaine yes um which is very funny that you said before that you wanted to branch out from the simpsons as we were watching this i was like this is literally just jebediah springfield this is the story <laughs> <Right>. of like <laughs> yeah.
1: the basis of the town yeah um,
0: uh these explorers get swindled by this guy who's literally wearing the same like uh I don't, oh, what,
1: like a davy <laughs> Uh, Blaine, Fabian. Uh, yes.
0: Blaine Fabian, yes, Blaine
1: Fabian, right, yeah, uh, who tells them that he's going to bring the settlers out to California, and then one night right. he's like, "There's salt water out there, I could smell it," and then oh, no, he says he smells yeah, he it, he smells right. salt water, there. and then like so everyone's like, "We did it," but like they like Blaine enough that they decide to stay there anyway, yeah. which is yeah, that Little is a very world. Simpsons joke right there.
0: Uh, so they're going to put on a show about the history of this. Uh, Corky St. Clair is the director mm-hmm. and the produce the sorry choreographer yeah. and and all this jazz yeah. and all that stuff. So then they have auditions in the town. It's a very small town. Yes, and then the people that get the parts are. Um, I don't remember any of the characters' names because I just know the yeah, actors so well. Right. So it's always like Eugene Levy. And I'm like, I don't remember what his name it, is, but so it's this, just Eugene Levy. Yeah, but,
1: there's there's Ron and Sheila, who are the tra- the town travel right. agents who have never left yeah, Blaine. Yeah, Catherine
0: O'Hara and Fred Willard.
1: Yeah, uh, who um, are kind of like the big fish in a very small pond in the theater community mm-hmm. there. Like they, Or
0: at least in their minds, they're y- big fish. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. They're really big fish.
1: <laughs> like the scene where they're auditioning and they sing um, Midnight at the Oasis and they finish and... Uh, Ron is so desperate to like warm himself up to Corky, <laughs> even though like they're always in his shows mm-hmm. that he's like, should I strike the stool? Should I strike, you know, he's yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> I know the lingo, you know, I'm I'm so clicked into the industry. There's Dr. Pearl, who's played by Eugene Levy. Right. Um, he's, Eugene
0: Levy, who's a dentist. Yes.
1: He's like the dark horse of the town. Nobody expected him to show yes. up and audition, but he does and he sings this insane um, montage of like, I dream of Jeannie with the light brown hair and like camptown races and like gives like this full. It's like Eugene Levy in all of these movies. You always just really want to root for his character, like from the get go. Yeah,
0: he's very good at that. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And then there's uh, Parker Posey's character who who works Libby with the May brown. She's younger girl. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay.
1: Yeah, she's uh, um so so good in this movie.
0: Speaking of speaking, everyone talks about Paul Rudd not aging. I feel like Parker Posey's barely aged over the past like a hundred years yes. or whatever this movie came. Parker out. Posey
1: is one hundred percent the female Paul Rudd, like on pretty yeah. much like every level I can <laughs> Looks think exactly of. The same. Yeah, like it's just one of those like reliable, very funny, charming like actors mm-hmm. who like kind mm-hmm. of. It's not that they always play the same person, but like you're always happy to see them just kind of being them in a yeah, film. Yeah. Um, yeah, so 100%, that is, like, the, like, most apt comparison I could think of for Parker Posey. And, yeah, she plays Libby Mae Brown, yeah. who just works at the queue. She kind of is never capable of finishing a complete thought. Like, she's just a very vacant right, human right, right. being. <laughs> and then there... She's the youth. Yes, yeah. I can't remember his name, but he's played by, a, I think, David Arquette and Patricia Arquette's dad. He's, like, the old fart who plays the narrator. Um, oh,
0: is that who that is? Yeah. Okay. He was really good, too, actually. Yeah. That guy. I, I didn't know who... Yeah.
1: He's fantastic. Uh, he's like an
0: old old dude who like had like what was the story? It was like he wanted to be like uh, in movies like a million yeah. years ago and he's like all his, not washed up. Specific, he's just sort of like old and retired. Yeah, and his like specific yeah.
1: line is like burning in my head. He's like I once had a hankering to be an actor. <laughs> like yeah. it's such a good line. Uh yeah, and then he becomes like a taxidermist who like lives in a trailer. And then there's no, no,
0: right, he's a taxidermist exactly.
1: Right. And then there is um Johnny, Johnny Savage, she's only
0: right. <laughs>
1: He's like this hot young dude, He's the,
0: uh, the mechanic at the local shop. Yeah, and then Corky St. Clair sort of uh, goes out of his way to make sure. We'll we'll talk about my thoughts on on that aspect. Oh sure, of it. yeah. I'm sure you had similar thoughts yeah. of it, but just to, for the sake of moving the story along for right now with the summary. But yes, he he ends up being sort of brought in, and they're yeah. auditioning. And Corky, unbeknownst to the cast, sent out letters to a bunch of Broadway people as he was setting this show up yeah uh, and someone responds and it's the titular Guffman saying he was interested to come see it so yes. suddenly they all you know what started as this very innocent kind of like you know oh we'll put on a thing for the town and it'll be fun right. suddenly everyone gets stars in their eyes because they think there's a potential that it'll go right. to Broadway right
1: and the promise is this, like you well, know,
0: the show is like nothing at this point
1: oh right the show is such a mess there's the high school music teacher who usually directs all of, like the shows right right Bob Balaban played by Bob Balaban who I have a Bob Balaban story that I don't think I've told you but it also pertains to musical theater oh, okay um, but like uh who's clearly very upset that Corky has kind of like come in mm-hmm. to his territory. Yeah. Um, and is like kind of the only like responsible person in this group of people. Yeah.
0: He's the stern kind of straight man of, of it all.
1: Right. Yeah. And he, you could just s- see the resentment like <laughs> radiating off of him. Right. Um, so yeah, Corky promises. And, like the thing is, is like Corky, they all have stars in their eyes and they think Corky is like this huge person in the theater world when he is just pretty mm-hmm, much mm-hmm. Yeah, a super like failed attempt. At an I, actor, yeah, yeah. I guess
0: we didn't explain. Yeah. He was, he was once like, I think he came out of the Navy Went to New York, tried to succeed in off-Broadway off, off, off Broadway, was his line Yes, for, I think he says, 10 or 15 years and yeah. he eventually just gives up and yeah. then moves to become a drama teacher in the town of Blaine. Yeah. And so he sort of brings with him this history of like, he did give it a shot, right. it never worked out, unfortunately, for reasons you end up seeing why, but... Um,
1: he knows that like he's over promising this on them but he tells mm-hmm. them like he makes it sound like there's a very good chance they will all go to Broadway you know if this Guffman right. guy comes and sees this show so everyone has that going on and then like to make his vision come true Corky wants more money so he goes to like
0: oh my god scene's great he yeah. goes to
1: the town uh, council and like begs for $100,000 you know
0: $100,000 right
1: <laughs> where he has this famous <laughs> they're all like
0: the entire budget for the entire city is like uh, $50,000 for the whole year oh yeah
1: and like my, one of my favorite lines of the whole movie, where it's like that—that's for the pool. And he goes, "There's no swimming in my show. There's no, <laughs> swimming, there's no
0: water in the show." Yeah, it's—it's very—it's uh, very Max Fisher vibes, but yeah. like Max Fisher, isn't it? Did you ever see Rushmore? Yeah.
1: Yes. Yes. One hundred. Oh my god. Yes. Uh, and, you know, he has his famous line. Where he calls them all bastard people, and he decides. Right, <laughs> He decides to quit directing the show, and it goes to the music teacher. But the cast wants nothing to do with like that. Right, 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 right. So they basically like have to get the whole town council to like massage Corky's ego. Yeah, yeah. So he comes back renewed. The show is put on. And Guffman mm-hmm. is not in the audience. So everyone in the cast is like right. freaking out. Um, but despite yeah. that, they are, you know, the small town is loving the show for all. I'm, like, it's They're very having sweet. having a great time. Like, yeah. yeah. Everyone's doing it. They're in their element. Whether or not it's actually good is um, another question. But like.
0: That's besides the point. It's, right. it's
1: not the point of, of Red, White and Blaine, the musical. Um, and then like right. about halfway through the show, this guy shows up and sitting in the chair that was reserved for Mort Guffman. And so now everyone right. is just like on fire.
0: Oh, my God. He came. Yeah, right. He's here.
1: Right. Um, and then uh, the show ends to much, much applause. The town is enchanted by it. Uh, there's the pharmacist yeah. who is just so obsessed with Quirky and so sad he can't be oh, in he's it. He's totally in love with him. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, just honestly, my favorite character in the whole thing. Um, but yeah. uh, uh, so everyone's excited and amped. And this Guffman mm-hmm, guy comes mm-hmm. backstage. But lo and behold... It's not actually. <laughs> More yeah, government.
0: Or, no, it's it's great because it's like he goes, a quirky comes out and he's like, "I'd like you to come to like meet everybody." <laughs> right. And like they're like, "Do you think we have a chance at Broadway?" And he's like, "Yeah, yeah absolutely."
1: Yeah, <laughs> and it's like in this very like, and
0: they're like we.
1: Yeah, it's like in this very like calm way where you could like see why they would believe that like this man like who is yes. seen was just like, Yes, I, I think so, you know, this very straightforward, matter-of-fact way. Yeah. And then assuming Yeah. And then everyone slowly realizes, like, oh, this is not Guffman. It's just some guy from out of town who's come to see like his niece's baby mm-hmm. and was just like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was that was nice. Thanks. And so
0: <laughs> And then they're like devastated, which yes. is to me the funniest part of like this is the central like idea of the whole movie to me which is like they just put on this great show and then they're like they don't like give a shit that the town loves them right that, like, yeah that the pharmacist is like essentially throwing himself at corky like all these <laughs> right. like things that they would want right and they're just so fixated on this idea that this producer from broadway never came oh and i'm sorry we got back up so someone had sent given him a telegram oh right that he that to corky that he didn't check and then at the end of the at the end of that scene, he looks at the telegram and it's like from uh, Guffman saying there's a big snowstorm and all the flights have been canceled. So he right. was never going to come.
1: Right, right, right. And. Um- and then it ends with like a three and then month a quick
0: epilogue. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, where you see that uh, Corky is back in New York and he's running a Broadway themed or, mm. or like just like a, a pop culture, but a very specific niche yeah. of pop culture, like <laughs> antiques yeah. to Remains of
0: the day lunchbox. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, my dinner with Andre Action Figures. Andre Action Figures. So oh my God, good. These are the best. Um. Uh, uh. Libby Sheila Maybrow. And
0: uh, what's his name?
1: Oh, Sheila and Ron go to Hollywood. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sheila and Ron go to yeah, Hollywood. They become extras. Yeah. Who still have this very outsized sense of, like, yep, their yep, talent. Yep. Libby May Brown tries to go to New York, but she ends up, like, staying in Alabama when her dad gets out of prison and working at another Dairy Queen. Mm-hmm. And she's, like, going to work another on a Dairy Queen. <laughs> yeah. She's, like, just scheming the thing of a way to make that low-fat, no-fat blizzard. And um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Alan Pearl ends up deciding, like, I am talented. And he moves down to Miami to yeah. sing in retirement homes. And, uh, Yeah. Um, and that's, that's he, basically he kind
0: of, to me has the most happy ending out of everybody.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He's like the only character, like even that scene where like they try to beg Corky to come back to the show, it, it follows him to, the, to like mm-hmm. a bowling alley. And he's like, I honestly have not right, thought right, a right. single yeah. bit about this, you know, <laughs> he just
0: he's trying to not think about it.
1: Right. So yeah, he ends up being like fulfilled. He goes down to Miami to just kind of like do his own thing. And yeah, that's, that's basically the For movie. old
0: people too. It's like, he's in a retirement home is, yes. where he's singing and stuff. Yeah.
1: Um, and that's it, basically. Yeah.
0: That's basically, yeah, yeah. it's short. It's like under 90, I think it's 88 minutes or something. It's yeah. not even ha- an hour and a half long. But yeah, pretty straightforward. It's it's funny, we were talking about um, influences or like stuff that comes out of this mm-hmm. a- as a result of this not existing. The thing that to me stood out a lot more when I was watching it was like, oh, this is very Parks and Rec.
1: Yeah, Parks yeah. Parks and Rec is
0: like absolutely lifted from this entire thing because so much of the, 'Cause you get a sense of what the whole town is, right. what the history of the town is, and then all the different people within the town. Like yeah. you could just slip Leslie Nope right in there right. and she would just fit like a glove.
1: Right. Like Blaine feels a lot like Pawnee, like one hundred percent. yeah. it, it yeah. has all of these great like there's so many great, like, small roles in this movie of just like mm-hmm, people mm-hmm. who are on like this, the town council, or just like there's um oh, what's his name from um Mr. Show? Uh David Um
0: Oh Oh, David Cross! David oh, right, Cross right. That's one heart. more thing we got to we got to mention. <laughs> yeah. Yes, the other thing that the town is famous for is that they were they had the first like documented alien abduction. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And so David Cross plays the scientist like showing it to, to like right. the camera being like, oh, this is where he's like investigating it. Yeah. And then they interview the guy that got abducted. And then the alien abduction does become part of the history right. of Blaine in the musical. And there's a song. There's a bit for it. I'm sorry. How could we forget?
1: Yeah, no, there's just it's the it is like the, how short it is. The mythology and character it packs into it is like, yes. so dense. Yeah. Like, like you believe this as a real like little town. 100%. Yes, like, yes. And it, yeah, Parks and Rec for sure. Like it definitely feels like parks and rec would not exist without it. Cause you know, how, like there's that recurring bit on parks and rec where just people come in and like complain about the most asinine things. Yeah. Like,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, like that's basically what half of these characters are, are, are like these like kind yeah. of characters that are like tertiary to the, to the show or movie rather. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I haven't seen this in a while, despite, you know, having seen it 8,000 mm-hmm. times. And um, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it is like insane to me because as we've mentioned, um, pretty much all of the dialogue that wasn't, you know, parts of, Red, White, and Blaine, you know, was improvised, mm-hmm. and I had not yeah. seen it since I had started doing improv, and I did improv for a very long time, which is always mm-hmm. very embarrassing to admit, I'm like blushing right now, but like um, it's just, even though they have like an outline of what they're doing, the improv in this is just genuinely insane.
0: Yeah, it's so specific. It's
1: so bonkers, and it's such good, like, it, like there's a lot of without getting too in the weeds, like just um tenants to long form improv where it's like oh peas in a pod where your characters are like the same and like they have the same energy and that's like ron and sheila perfectly like i could watch fred willard mm-hmm. and and katherine and o'hara improvise off of each other all fucking day in this movie like it, yeah, it is just yeah. like mind-blowingly good to me like i did not appreciate that aspect of yeah. it um until watching it this time around just sitting there just being like Every, yeah, there's, yeah. there's
0: some really specific details too. When I was watching it, um, I watched it for a second, time, you know, cause I try to watch these things like more than once, just sure. to sort of have a good sense of it. When, when they go in to, there's like these tiny, tiny details that again, can we just give Catherine O'Hara like a fucking like lifetime achievement award what? at this point? Like what the fuck? Truly, like, <laughs> truly. Like, I, you can't say how great she is, but there's this tiny detail where if you go watch the audition scene, like the one you were talking about where he's like, Oh, should I strike this chair? Yeah. Um, And they come in and they're and they're delivering their lines because they're doing like a little sequence. She's mouthing his lines back to him.
1: (laughs) That part kills me every single time. That is like one of my. It's
0: it's so fucking specific. And like, I know that's like a thing that like a lot of actors want to kill the other actor for doing that Mm because it's so distracting and Mm -hmm. like. It's like there's two things. There's that. And then there's when they're at the Chinese restaurant and they're having dinner with like the two couples having dinner and she's totally wasted off white wine. Yeah. And then it sort of puts this question into their relationship because Fred Willer, or, I'm sorry, Ron is like very controlling. Yes. And she's also like clearly an alcoholic. Yeah. And then you kind of get this thing where you're like, is she an alcoholic? Does she drink a lot because he's controlling or mm. is he controlling because she gets crazy when she drinks?
1: Right. Right. And you kind
0: of like don't really know what it is. Yeah, yeah. And that's sort of what leads you along.
1: (laughs) Right. Oh, yeah, because, like, in every other interview with them, he's the one that's always guiding the conversation, you know, or, like, correcting her, or, you know, reasserting his own opinion over hers. Like, there's this little tiny detail where he does a really, really bad um, impersonation of um, Peter, um, not Peter O'Toole, um, of, of Peter Fonda, and, like, it's so bad yeah, yeah. and like Captain O'Hara is like laughing very, you know, nicely at it. And she goes, Politely, He's, he's yeah. like, "I always have to tell her who I'm doing cuz she's always like, "Who is that?" And it's just like
0: <laughs> Right, right.
1: Also, this movie is absolutely devastating yep. as someone who does do a lot of uh community theater cuz like there's so many just small I think this is why I don't think it's a mean movie. There're just so many small details that you have to have done a ton of bad theater to have been able to pull these mm-hmm. out, you know? Like like just
0: Yeah. Yeah. Or
1: or to know like those archetypes that are actually in community theater like uh, like and sure, it, sure. it comes from a place of like love and experience and Ron and Sheila in particular mm-hmm. are just like man you you know those people like they're doing like the warm-up exercises and like like yeah they're, they're <laughs> trying to intimidate like when they find Dr. Pearl auditioning they're like wow wow you really right. came out for this you know like
0: you actually are doing this right yeah.
1: trying to be positive kind but like also backhanded it's uh yeah um so good. Uh, Catherine O'Hara, give her a just the way she says in that, the Chinese restaurant scene is burned to my brain. Um, so there's like this reoccurring joke that Fred Willard's character, Ron, had to have a penis reduction surgery because his dick was so big. <laughs> and like, they're very awkwardly talking about it at dinner. And Catherine O'Hara is very drunk and he can't control the narrative. And she just goes,
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he just
1: turned to me and said, well, Sheila, why don't you get one of those vagina enlargements? And I think about, <laughs> <laughs> no joke, I think about that line Every single day. Like there's not a day that goes by that. I do not think about Catherine O'Hara going, why do you get one of those vagina enlargements? And it's like, she plays like an alcoholic so well too. like, just like that kid. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. it's genuinely bonkers. Um, I love that scene so much. It is, is so good.
0: Yes. <laughs> it's fantastic. They're, they're all very, very lived in like yes. all the characters. Again, considering how short it is and considering how it's like, it's improvised and it's made up. Like they're all very specific. Yeah. Um, just real, so real quick. I just want to address this before we sort of go gushing mm-hmm. on too much about it. Sure, yeah. Which is, uh, which is the so the central gag, unfortunately, and, and this is something that I don't think is necessarily like absolute one way or another. Sure. But it is something that going back, I watching the the gag of quirky Saint Clair. Being a closeted gay man. Oh, yeah, yeah, I yeah. I think at, at the time was maybe probably funny. We probably thought it was funny because that's just the time that we lived sure. in and we grew up. And yeah. I have to say, looking back at it now, I'm like, oh, this is not, that aspect of it is actually not very funny.
1: Yeah, there's, there's <laughs> no the, only there's, is it Not
0: funny. It's kind of, it's, it's, oh, sorry, go ahead.
1: Like, quirky works when quirky is just quirky and you accept that everybody in this town is like, a, a basket right. case, but like there, there's some hyper specific yes. jokes that like have not aged terribly well.
0: Yeah,
1: uh, like, like like the fact that he like buys women's clothing, for example, is just like like you sit there mm-hmm, and you're like, mm-hmm. uh like this isn't fun anymore. Yeah. This one's a little mean. But the weird thing yeah. about this movie yeah. is that, and I, I'm only speaking from personal experience here, so you know I will say this, yeah. but like most of the people I know who love this movie are gay, and I'm just like, <laughs> I think yeah. they're so so like yes, I 100% agree with you, but I also think it's just one of those things yeah. where it's just like you know, a lot of comedy will always have some aspect that does not age well, and this this, sure, this, yeah, this yeah, has not. Like, this specifically well. has not aged well. But, like, um, yeah, yes. y- like, I definitely felt that this time watching it. Even Nick was sitting with me. Right. and We were just both kind of like, Ugh, you know, every time that joke came uh, up yeah. in particular.
0: I think part of the reason why it's not so bad, too, is because, like, they, they do, I mean, it is, that aspect of it is bad, but I do think that, like, he's not just, like, a one-dimensional character necessarily, sure. which is why it sort of is, like, okay, it's, like, Seventy five percent bad, rather than like a hundred percent bad, right. because they do, like you said, like he does still fall into this, you know, being a basket case, like the rest of the characters. But yeah, the part of what's supposed to be the basket case part of him is this thing that is inherently like, you know, not his fault, right? Right, right. It's like him living in living in this town where like he has to sort of. Uh, there is one moment where they kind of address it too, which is, um, uh, what's his name, Eugene Levy's wife? Oh, uh, I forget. Yeah,
1: her name is just. I think she's is. just Mrs. Allen Pearl is like her name, and um, right, right. I, I love that character too. Also, but uh, go ahead.
0: And she's she's very funny. But yeah, yeah so she's like, it's it's the part where Quirky quits, and she's like, yeah, I understand that. You know, I've never met. She's just trying to make sense of why Quirky had quit.
1: Right. Yeah. And she's yeah. like,
0: you know, and he's he's very stressed probably, and he has yeah. to make this you know show, and and then also you know his wife's not there, and you know right. she's out of town. But I don't think I've ever seen her. Right. And, you know, maybe that's why he's so upset is because you know his wife's never there, and he's probably just dealing with that on right. top of it. So on one hand, it's like okay, there's a gag of, like, okay, well, haha, like, he doesn't really have a wife because he's secretly gay and he can't tell anyone, right. but then at the same time, you get the sense you're like, oh, okay, like, it's actually trying to show that, like, his life is hard because he can't actually be who
1: he is. Right, like, yeah, 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 so it's, it's very, like, I don't think it comes from necessarily a mean place, just a very dated place, you know, like...
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That was my interpretation, too.
1: Yeah, like, again, like, I think for me, I, quirky mostly works because, again, everyone in this town is just um a lot you know it'd be one thing if he was the only person who was a lot you know and like it was just like oh look at this you know clearly closeted gay man just being goofy but like he's surrounded by people who are also deeply fucking weird
0: right and then also to me like the the saving grace of that character is is the pharmacist I I don't remember what his name is oh yeah
1: yeah yeah just I just the pharmacist
0: absolutely in love with him absolutely like enamored by everything that quirky does yes at the end of the show and after they put on the concert he just like gives him this look where he's like I will follow you to the ends of the earth
1: right exactly and
0: Corky's just completely distracted by the fact that (laughs) this man that he thinks Guffman is there
1: yeah (laughs) there's like oh my gosh like this this man yeah 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 like oh my gosh like this Corky is clearly like this man's like portal into a life that he might have had had he not been born in Blaine you know and like just that moment where like it's like the intermission of the show and they're talking to people in the audience and he's just like he could do everything. He could sing and dance. and There's only another one other person that can do that, and that's Barbara Streisand. Is like one of my favorite lines in the movie. Right, right. And then yeah. that moment where he's like just talking about, it, he's like, "It's so good." It's like, God, I wish I could. Have you know, he just gets like almost like foams <laughs> at the mouth of how mad he was that he couldn't audition because he had to. I think stock the pharmacy that day, and Corky was like, "Right, right." They're
0: like, it was only during business hours. <laughs> right. and you have to only be able to do it then.
1: Right. Corky was like, "No, it's very strict. Uh, that's show business." <laughs> like. Which, again, is, it's so, right, right. is such a funny thing. They like, keep saying s- it. So much community theater. And I get why you want to have standards and, you know, rules down. But it's so mm-hmm, self-serious, mm-hmm. like that, like, this is show business. And, you know, not, you know, people doing yeah. this as a hobby at the end of the day, you know, <laughs> like another just great yeah. small detail like that's show business.
0: And I think that that's also a big part of it, too, compared because, again, we were talking sort of about this in, in the first half about Spinal Tap because Spinal Tap came out, like, whatever, like 10 years before this. Yeah, yeah. And and we were talking a little bit about the sort of you know easier access to digital cameras. This is just a baseless theory that I had sure. of of being able to have like a lot of comedy sort of going this way after Guffman. Mm-hmm. But I also think that like this does a very good job of making something that's very mundane and small seem much more important, like you said. And I think yeah. that is sort of the derivative of where comedy went, where a Spinal Tap was very like, here are these crazy, insane, yeah. like huge rock stars who have this like almost cartoony sensibility of like how they want to put on shows. But like, this is literally the sort of like internal is the exact opposite of that, which is what makes it so funny, Yeah, which makes it funnier in a lot of ways because it's something that you can actually relate to. Like you said, as far as like just putting on like local shows and just knowing that like, as soon as you give people just like the tiniest bit of, I don't know what you would call it, but like star stardom or like the sense that like they're putting on something like it just immediately goes to their heads.
1: Right. Yeah. 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 Like, um, even, like, like that moment where, like, so yeah, Johnny Savage, we didn't mention this, uh, Johnny Savage quits the show. Yes. Um,
0: oh, right, 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 right. Yeah.
1: And so uh, Corky St. Clair has to fill in for him. And, like, this man was mm-hmm. clearly cast to be, like, the heartthrob, like, guy. And Corky St. Clair is, you know, this middle-aged, you know, closeted gay man who is very much not the type that was originally cast for that. But, like. Um,
0: right. Listen, middle-aged men can be extremely handsome. Right and debonair and have sexy bodies like we all do. Anyway, I'm like sorry. Paul continue. Rudd. Paul I'm Rudd. As we said, age. Paul, Rudd. Right. Paul, Paul Rudd. Rudd. Paul
1: Rudd's 50, okay? <laughs> um, but uh, so um, uh, also that moment brings one of my other favorite lines, which is like, I hate you and your ass face. Ass which She into a phone. Ass. Like, I just keep getting ahead of myself. There's so many little details in this that I saw, and I was like, I've lived that.
0: It's very quotable. It's um, very, very quotable.
1: Corky St. Clair has to step in for Johnny Savage and there's this whole question going on about Eugene Levy who has a lazy eye and he has, you know, his usual Eugene Levy glasses and he can't, yeah. Corky tells Eugene Levy, like, you can't wear your glasses during this one scene because it would right. be anachronistic. Meanwhile, once Corky takes over the role for Johnny Savage <laughs> he never once takes out his earring and it's like my favorite, like, small detail. <laughs> like,
0: oh, I didn't even catch that. Yeah,
1: like, just, which again hyper-relatable. There's always, especially like, Again, in community theater or college theater, the director will be like, I'm sorry, this goes against my vision. But the moment like something that they have that is like mm-hmm. vaguely questionable gets called into question, like it is it is like, how could you know, <laughs> like this is my how vision. And, oh, my God. Like that a small detail that makes me like laugh my ass off every single time it it happens that and like it's the day of the show, y'all. Like that's just the seriousness. It's the day mm-hmm. of the mm-hmm. show, y'all, which is one of those lines show, y'all. that is absolutely now memetic. You can't. Like, I, I posted something on my Facebook um, just mentioning that I was watching mm-hmm. it when I rewatched it for this this podcast. And just, like, literally my Facebook wall was just flooded with quotes. Oh, really? Like, people just, people just come out of the woodwork for this. Um, uh, <laughs> I mean, I have a lot of theater and improv friends. So it's just, like, of course, I'm going to attract right, right. that kind of it's people. It's a
0: touchstone for all of them, yeah.
1: But, yeah, like, just, I, and I, I, watching it again, just, like. Even listening to like all of the various characters being like, I think I'm honing in on something, or I think I'm locking in on this character, and like delusional. Really, like I'm sitting there with with my um, husband who also does improv and who teaches improv, and you could just see us like looking at each other, like, do we sound like this? Is this what we sound like? Is Is this really us right (laughs) here? And uh, it's just such a great like encapsulation of of doing any kind of theater at a like local level um i oh, yeah i love it so 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 much um but also just like the the kind of a tangential but the music itself, like, the fact that there's this massive overture yeah. for this, like, little rinky-dink show. <laughs> right. like, it, the they're overture. all wearing
0: tuxedos in the, yeah. th- in the pit. Right,
1: they're all wearing tuxedos. There's one guy who's playing, like, timpani and the trumpet at the same time, which is also very, like, yep, yep. there's always one person in the pit doing that sort of thing. Um, But just, like, how self-serious the music director is, which is also very true mm-hmm. in my experience. Like, the music mm-hmm, director mm-hmm. is the one that is, like, kind of actually, like... <laughs> getting everything back on track it's so dense and so like specific in like a very true way that like i i just Mm -hmm. it's such a pleasure for me to watch personally but yeah
0: the thing that i really liked the sort of the reason why i think it sticks is because of the ending and because it 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 is kind of a tragic ending in a way like like, so we were just talking about a second ago the idea that they put on this show and everyone in the town like basically worships them and loves them right. and they can't enjoy it because right. their eyes are set on this thing that is totally like out of their reach anyway. Yeah. But like as soon as they get one thing, they're already demanding something else more. Right. And it's like, it's, it's one of those things where you like you, every time you watch it, you're going to be like, Oh, maybe this time they'll appreciate the things that are in front of them. Right. Like there is this weird moral to it, yeah. actually, I think, which is to like be present and to enjoy and like even uh what's his name? I keep I'm sorry, I keep forgetting uh Eugene Levy's Levy's. Oh uh, Dr. Name. Pearl, yeah. Uh, Dr. Pearl's wife, like when he like when he first comes out on the stage, like she tries to clap because she's so she's, you can tell she's just like, oh, she's hornball for him. She's, she's like, so His wife him. like is so into it. Yeah. yeah. Like it's very cute. It's very like endearing. Yeah. Like, she's so enamored by him.
1: And even even like that moment uh, where like he hits his head on a piece of the set. She and she laughs at him. But it's like right. such like a I love this man kind of laugh, you know, like right, right. Can you believe that that's my husband up on there? Like just like the genuine right, like, right. love that she has for the fact that her husband is doing this sort of thing. even if it I mean she has to be with yeah. someone who talks about vagina enlargements is like <laughs> <laughs> so good
0: uh but but generally i thought i thought that like you know it, this is just my old man part of it where i'm like you know it, it's it's an important reminder a reminder to sort of like be present when you're doing something like this and like to enjoy what you're doing and like it doesn't it, it, it whether or not you go to broadway is besides the point like there's all these things around you that will sort of reinforce why what you're doing is great and like right. the other part of this to me that was really interesting was um was Parker Posey's character going back to the Dairy Queen. Right. I mean, like my dad got out of prison and it's like, you can see that for like this fleeting moment, she was so happy. She had this thing that she got to do that Mm -hmm. was like it, like it lit her up. It like made her alive. It was like very important to her. Right. And then she'll sort of just go back on for the rest of her life. And and it made me think of this, uh, this thing I saw with like Ethan Hawke talking, I don't know if it was like an interview or like a lecture Mm -hmm. or something where he, he was talking about, like, creativity or something, and he was talking about his grandmother, like, had, uh-huh. she had gone to the hospital mm-hmm. um, when she was older, and then a part of, like, why she was there, he was, like, she wanted to write this biography of her life just to sort of, like, have it. Yeah. And I, I don't remember exactly what, what the number was, but he was, like, it was something on the lines of, like, 30 pages or something of her whole life, and he mm-hmm. said that for, like, 15 of those pages, she talked about the fact that she was... Like a uh, she did like wardrobe at some play like when she was like in her twenties or something. Sure, yeah. And he was and he, it, so the point of the story and I always think about that story. He was it was he was like this little thing that she did had such an impact on her life that like out of all the things that she did like the fact that she got to go be creative and put on this show and like be a part of right. this is the thing that really stuck with her.
1: Right. Like well, at the
0: end of her life and I was like man it's weirdly like you know it's not to be too like sentimental artsy fartsy about it but like no it is it does give people a sense of purpose like people want to be seen like I, I thought that was kind of endearing about it. And then the tragedy of not acknowledging it is, like, we all suffer from that,
1: Right, right. Oh, I mean, like, you know, it was one of those things that I had to, like, you know, work through with my therapist. But I'm a huge, like, middle child self-deprecator, that sort of thing. Like, nothing I do matters. And it was, like, one of those things where, like, I'd have people come and see me in in shows, whether it was, like, improv or theater. And I would not be feeling Mm -hmm. like it was... The best thing in the world. And, you know, as soon as, like, I'd, Mm -hmm. I'd, you know, we'd go out afterward for drinks or something like that, and people be like, I really liked it. And I had such a great time. And I was like, Yeah, it was okay. It wasn't my best night. It It could have been better. Yeah. I I
0: flubbed this line. Yeah. And, like, my therapist
1: is like, You're being, you know, in nicer terms than what I'm saying, she's like, You're being a really giant asshole when you do that and like you basically invalidate (laughs) everyone else's feelings and you know not everything has to be like the pinnacle of what you see as success for it to be good or meaningful and you know I I was sitting here thinking like you know when we talked about doing this movie because it's not necessarily a musical even though it has a musical in it like why I think this is such a good thing to just talk about on this podcast is that we mostly talk about Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know professional Broadway Uh, theater or films made by people with a lot of money. And I think it's at the end of the day, there is something really nice in celebrating just stuff that is kind of not that, you know, and like waiting for government was such a nice reminder that like you can make art on a like the, yeah, like that, that old man lesson of it, even if none of the characters understand it, that like you can make things at a small scale for the people that are directly in your life. And that does not mean it is not, you know, or that it is bad or that it doesn't have meaning or something like that, you know?
0: yeah like my it's just about what your audience is right like you, if you know where your audience is like you you they, that show was a huge success in waiting for government right. but they were so right you know navel-gazy that they completely missed that it. it was such a success yeah. like, that's the irony of it yeah
1: it's even like like I, that's like kind of a kind of similar reoccurring thing especially in like best in show where it's like these people want to uh-huh. be famous in this very niche community which is dog showing yep, you know yep. and like the moment like mm-hmm. The Eugene Levy, Catherine O'Hara couple get a taste of success. They're now immediately starting Mm -hmm. to make, like, tie-in songs for their dogs that are, like, (laughs) awful and that they have no right in making. Um, And, yeah, like, but, uh, yeah, just, like, even that that Libby character is the character that, like, really sticks out to me. This watch around, like, that was the character that I was like, this is, she's the most compelling one to me. Because, yeah, you see, there's, like, Mm -hmm. that moment where, Quirky leaves the show and she's just standing outside of her house grilling a piece oh, of right. chicken and smoking a cigarette. The like, one a wing. Single, a single yeah. chicken wing. And she's like, I'll always have the dairy Queen," so And it's so bleak. Yeah. And then like, there's a separate scene where they're talking to her and she has like this idea of what it would be like to go to New York. And like, it's just like so outsized of her brain that she's like, oh, you know, I'll get there, um, maybe meet some guys. And, like, then she says some Italian right. guys. Like, that's the most exotic thing she can think of. So, yes, it's like, maybe meet some guys, maybe meet some Italian guys, watch some TV. And, like, that's her idea. Watch <laughs> some TV, <laughs> it's right. Like, that's a line that I forget exists in this movie, and so every single time I see it, it delights me entirely. And I'm just like, what, watch what, a, what a fully formed character in that person. I'm really glad we watched this. Like, this made me go, like, yeah. I love, you know, it's easy to look back at the stuff you make you know, before you've hit what you feel is some level of success, and just be like, mm-hmm. "Well, that was embarrassing," but in a way that I hadn't really thought about with this movie, like it was actually just, yeah, very sweet, reaffirming. Even, yeah, again, even it's if very, nobody it's else very understands hard to do it. it, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's,
0: it's very hard to do, though. I say that as if it's like, yeah, you guys should just do that, as if I don't fucking do the exact same thing, like you just said, like right, I right. absolutely do. I, I'm saying this more for like my own you know, benefit that like we, it's important to remember that, to remember that like, okay, there's always an audience for something and like you will find, Somebody who will genuinely appreciate what you do because you're the one who did it.
1: Yeah, you know? there will be somebody kind of in the audience going, Corky, Corky, I love you!" Like, yeah, Corky,orky!
0: He's like screaming at the end of it. That's the part where I died. Where <laughs> yeah, oh, the pharmacist screaming.
1: There's like a release, there's a song between like a guy going off to World War One and his like sweetheart and like the 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 pharmacist is crying like just weeping. These yeah, prof- oh, that's right, that's right. Yeah,
0: <laughs> he's so moved.
1: Yeah, like it's just like it's the, like the, life
0: changing for him.
1: Right, it's like the magic of theater for for people who don't normally go to the theater that's still meaningful too and like yeah this movie i love this movie this movie's great this movie made me go like i loved doing theater i love doing you know being on stage in any modicum just because it is fun and like despite what your like horrible like brain might be telling you like yeah there's an audience for your art you know (laughs) even like in a weird way that like i know all the songs to red white and blaine even though they are meant to be bad like (laughs) I know them all, you know, and, like, I still get so That's much enjoyment. Point, right, right. right. I get so much enjoyment from Stool Boom, And, you know, watching them, like, have to, like, walk <laughs> w- walk off stage backwards to try to make it look, like, filmic when they, st- like, change scenes around. and Or seeing people go hubbub, right. hubbub, hubbub, hubbub on stage.
0: Did anyone ever put this on? Like, did anyone ever try to do Red, White, and Blaine as, like, a proper show, I like, think, just for the sake of it? I
1: think there was, like, a some, some community theater tried to do it, but I don't think there's ever been a professional attempt to put Waiting for Guffman on stage because it is one of those films like The Producers or Hairspray where it kind of is oh no not
0: even Waiting for Guffman I'm talking about specifically oh, Red, like, White. Red White and Blaine like ah. just the actual show within the show because because it, be, it would be short because sure. I don't think there's recordings of the songs are there it's just I, like through the movie yeah. I don't think there's like a professional cast recording that you can listen to on Spotify I, I
1: don't think so either and like there are several songs that were cut from the show too so it's like there is more oh, to really? it um, yeah like there was, there was a whole song are you listening about, Broadway like, producers right? this is
0: an idea I am
1: genuinely kind of shocked that like there's never been a Red, White, and Blaine slash Waiting for Govman esque show made out of this movie professionally. But I think there has been a community theater that tried to do Red, White, and Blaine or attempted to put on a Red, White, and Blaine um, mm. performance. But yeah, like, no, I was thinking that too. I'm like, honestly, kind of shocked. It's one of those movies that follows the formula of what usually gets made into Broadway shows where it's like a cult yeah, comedy yeah, yeah. that people like that is tangentially mm-hmm. related to musical theater or music in some way. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah I actually am kind of shocked now that I think about that. But yeah.
0: Maybe we, that could be our next music. We have like so, so many musicals we're going to make now. Right. So that'll be our next one is I'll go secure the rights to fucking waiting for Guffman. <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> one last piece of trivia the remains of the day lunchbox. Right. Apparently, Christopher Guest oh, yeah, had, yeah. had talked to Emma Thompson about, you know, using her image in that. Mm-hmm. And she was like totally down with it. But she also really wanted to be in the movie. And he, like Christopher Guest had to like tell her, no, oh. I'm sorry, you're too famous for this. What? Yeah. <laughs> Which I just now I think about like if Emma Thompson were in this movie.
0: Or if she just like was like a cutaway shot. There is one cutaway shot of Bob Odenkirk where he's yes. dressed up like a vampire. Yeah. He, like before they go into the uh, the auditions initially.
1: Yeah. He was a, originally meant to be a, a bigger character in the movie and was uh, cut for They've time. Yeah. Obviously, yeah, yeah. he's not
0: Emma Thompson in terms of famous. Right. still.
1: <laughs> I, I don't know. How did you feel about Mr. Show in high school? That was like Emma Thompson levels of fame to yeah. me. So.
0: Right. Emma Thompson of, of uh, La La Land fame. Is that what the joke yeah. was? Yeah. yeah that yes. Emma, Emma made Thompson of La La Land, was for, Land. Emma Thompson
1: was. Yeah. Emma Thompson <laughs> <of the amazing laughs> Spider-Man fame, uh, Emma Thompson of Zombieland she was fame, great and
0: super bad. I really she, enjoyed her. EZA, I thought she was fantastic. She,
1: I was going to say she was great in Cruella, but she actually wasn't Cruella, and she wasn't the best part of Cruella. I'm like, oh right, oh right, she wasn't Cruella. That's right. <laughs> Finally, she she meets her mirror twin uh, Emma Stone, and then they fight to the death with Dalmatians. But uh, yeah, I, I I love this movie. I um, you know, the problems aside that we discussed, I am still just like, again, even how I posted yeah. on Facebook, I didn't want to post anything on Twitter about it because you know. I try not to, even though I'm really bad about secrets. it uh, when we're recording something. But yeah, I think like,
0: people have caught on now that they know that like you're going to be posting about it I, like the week before. A, so they I, know d- sort of I did happened. such
1: a good job this week, too. So like this is like the one where I was like, <laughs> I if, the one where I feasibly could have not talked about it. And people have just been like, oh, Angelina, of course, loves waiting for government. She's a theater kid, you know, <laughs> but um. I, I just even posting about it on my private Facebook and having people just have such a visceral reaction to it. It's just like, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. this this movie like hits on something in, in a beautiful way. And so if you've never seen Winnie for Guffman, go see it.
0: So we'll see. We'll see how well this does. Yeah. If people are like battening or bang batten down the hatches and like trying to break down our doors to be like, do more. Yeah. We did at one point toy with the idea of doing more of these Christopher Guest movies. Cause I've actually never, like I said, I've never seen a mighty wind, Oh, uh, which you said it's, it's all about, are they, it's, is it like a musical in the same way or it's not, it's, it's,
1: it's about, it's not a musical in the same way. It does have musical numbers in it. It's about a bunch of folk singers mm. like getting together. Okay. So like, it's not, it's not, sure. a, it doesn't have a musical per se, but there is a, a lot of music and there's a song that is very tied into the arc of two of the characters. Um, okay. But, uh, right, we'll, th- yeah. we'll think about it. Yeah. 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 Um, I, we'll, I, we'll, but, we'll uh,
0: deliberate it.
1: Yeah. We'll, we'll, sit and meditate on that one for a little yeah. bit, but yeah, waiting for Guffman. Yeah. Just the truest waiting for Guffman, even though it's a mockumentary, it's honestly the truest documentary I've ever seen about making a small town show happen it, deep in okay. my heart.
0: <laughs> uh, we're sure that you guys have thoughts and opinions I don't imagine that anyone's put on, un- unless you're from the weird town that actually did put on Red, White, and Blaine, we'd like to see photos yeah. <laughs> if,
1: if you were in that section. Please uh, show us your yeah, Red, White, and Blaine please. photos. Um.
0: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> otherwise, let us know your thoughts on. Waiting for Guffman. If you agreed or disagreed, which you guys always do, yeah. thankfully. Uh, we're uh, at musical in with no G on Twitter, at musical splaining with a G on Instagram. Um, I am at Kavitaharian on Twitter and at PermaFriends on Instagram.
1: And I am why Angelina why on Twitter. Why is in W H Y? Why and uh, yeah. why? <laughs> yes, my voice. Um, and I am. And you'll
0: you'll be here next week. Yes, will be gonna... in California.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I, I think we're gonna have something fun to do you know maybe maybe we'll see how that shakes out have fun yeah, I, yeah. it's uh, the most miserable thing I literally have to drink a whole bottle of whiskey before I record these um just to get through it now um but I am why Angelina Y on Twitter and Angelina underscore S-E-E-C on Instagram
0: yeah we're gonna be I don't know if I'll be at VidCon but you're gonna be at VidCon yeah. I'll be hanging out outside around VidCon <laughs> you, other you'll things, be VidCon
1: adjacent <laughs> look
0: I'll be VidCon adjacent but look for Angie yeah. she'll have the curly hair and bright shirt that yeah. looks kind of like, it's like a Sesame Street shirt. I kind of dig it. Oh, actually. it's actually, it's, kind of it's a, a set. A... It's
1: a top and a matching skirt. I look like um what uh, Toys R Us's looked like in the 80s.
0: Right, right. I was going to say it's like the Ernie sweater. Yes. Sort
1: of. Oh, shit. Oh, so I'm either going to look like little it's Orphan Annie awesome. or Ernie from Sesame Street. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how yes. you'll find me.
0: Uh, I'm if you're there, yeah, look for Angie. Yeah. Uh, don't look for me because I won't be there. But, you know, somewhere outside screaming, you know, holding that sign that says Jesus will save us. Anyway, no, no, I won't be doing that. <laughs> anyway. Uh, we... <laughs> Angie, I will see you soon. I'll see and you soon. We'll be back with another episode of the podcast very soon as well. And thanks uh, for listening, guys. Yeah. Oh, yeah. As always, please. If you like the show, leave us good reviews. Yes. Please follow the sponsor links. Yes. That very much helps us continue to put on more episodes. Follow sponsored links. Yes. You want to write a song about it? Follow of Things. Things.
1: Sponsor things. things.
0: <laughs> this is where everyone's like, and turning it off.
1: Dollar Shave <laughs> Club. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, thank y'all.
0: All right. All right. Thanks, guys. See you in the next one.
1: <laughs> oh, boy.